Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Nev and this is episode 452. Uh, in this week's show, one Ryanair flight gets tired of its nosed gear. Aircraft vegetables? No, but the Dreamliner has leaks and one US airport converts to a boating lake. In the military, it's all about the F-35, and it's and is it time to retire the A-10s? Also in this week's show, we re reveal the winner of the book prize uh, from last week, and also uh, the, the, the caption, this goes Australian, or does it? Look, looking forward to that one, actually. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Joining me this week is Carlos in the Master Suite studio. Oh, hello, Nev. Hello, Nev. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, actually, yeah. Very good, very good. Been good, a good, good. week. Uh, lots of driving this week. Um, not much, well, no flying at all. But, um, yes, plenty of driving. And um, uh, although the roads have been beautifully quiet for the most part because it's been the kids' holidays, but they're all back next week, so it'll all change, no doubt. But uh, pretty hectic week at work, that's for sure. Um, no shortage of uh, good aircraft stories this week as well, or av aviation generally, actually been quite a good week for it has been it has been but yeah. uh never yeah, it must be strange because you've you've not had any flying now for uh what must be oh, two weeks I, now i am um, you can imagine that i've got serious withdrawal symptoms um and in fact uh you've probably got a caption for this i think carlos the yes. uh, this time of the year august uh, sorry april the 8th that's when those uh Avios tier points. <gasps> what you mean? These ones, Nev? Yes. And it goes from, well, you need 1,500 to, to retain gold. And I ended up with about 2,500 last year. But then on April the 8th, it resets to zero. And you've got to do it all again. Um, I'm not flying until the 27th of April, uh, which is a flight to Edinburgh. Um, and uh, I'm going to have to go some this year to, to retain the gold for next year. So I've retained it for the next 12 months, but it's the following 12 months you've got to do it for. So, um, yeah, I should be putting my foot hard down. Isn't there a, isn't there a thing with uh, BA Nev where when you get to a certain point, you can't ever, ever lose your, your Yes, points? it's called gold for life, and you get that when you... Uh, get to 35,000 tier points and even with all the flying I do I'm at 11,000 so I don't think I'll ever get there oh, <laughs> actually well, well seriously even if you continue yeah. with the amount of flying well, that you've done recently mind, how, how much longer I've got to work oh, for okay, yeah, let's yeah. say um, yeah. you know I'm not going to be doing that much business flying uh, later on so um, yeah it's going to be interesting anyway <laughs> I'm not complaining, Tim. You're not complaining. Yeah. So yeah. welcome everyone who's joined us uh, this evening for the show. Going to have a quick look in the chat room to see uh, who's there. Richard Adams was the first one in there. Hello to you, Richard. Uh, we've got uh, Neville Bounds, obviously keeping an eye on things with the Blue Spanner of Doom. Uh, Lee Davies, uh, unfortunately, he's had to dip out because he's he's still not feeling very well. Nev, I'm worried about Lee. I'm worried about Lee. Uh, Mazus is also in there. Hello to you, Mazus. Good to see you in there, Nick. Codling's in there as well, our, uh, one of our associate producers of the show. Uh, welcome to you. Uh, we've got uh, Captain Ridiculous Wits is also in there. Greetings to you. Hobby Time, hello to you. 
Uh, good to see you in there. UH Blackhawk as well. He's on a flight that's boarding, so only here for a short period. Uh, passengers, uh, passenger this time, he's not working, so he's um, he's going to hopefully he'll connect to the Wi-Fi there. If he'll be able to. I wonder if they fixed fixed his APU. Uh, was it his APU? No, it was the um, ra- weather radar, wasn't it, from last week that wasn't yes. working? Yes. So he was grounded. So uh, we weren't able to meet up. But well, well, hopefully he'll connect to the Wi-Fi. He'll be able to so. watch us yeah. on the plane. Uh, Bill's in there. Hello to you, Bill. Good to see you in there as well. John Jester, our guest from a few weeks back. Hello, there John. Good to see you in there as well. Uh, Richard Adams. Aaron P. Hello to you as well. Good to see you in there. Masha. Lovely to see you in there, Masha, as well. Hope you've had the good weather we've had here uh, today. It's been a bit windy, but it's been lovely and sunny, Nev. It's been quite mm. nice here today. Yes. And uh, also Sturman. Hello to you, Sturman. Good to see you in there. Uh, Sturman, he's get. I'll tell you, Nev, he's getting married uh, this year in August. Did I tell oh, you? Word. Yeah, he's getting married. Does he need a, a DJ for his uh, wedding? Well, he may have already got one, um, oh. all being well. <laughs> But yes, uh, hello to you. Captain Cruz, uh, good to see you in there. Mark Priestley, he's just just made it. He's just dipped in there. Hello to you, Mark. Good to see you. And uh, don't forget, if you're or if you're listening to us as an audio show, don't forget to uh, maybe come over and see us on YouTube on a Friday night at 7 o'clock where we're, uh, we'll be here broadcasting live to you, uh, in, well, over on YouTube. You can join in the chat room, fun. And don't forget, when you're on YouTube, uh, search for us, Playing Talking UK. Hit the subscribe button, not literally but just give it a little click and the bell icon which is next door to be notified when we are live and broadcasting well hopefully as we are now so we've got loads to get through on the show this evening and uh, loads of news stories to get through as well Uh, so nev are you ready to do some news yes let's do some commercial news yes You know, sometimes, Nev, OneNote can be an absolute pain, can't it? Yes. You know, when you go to look at OneNote and all, everything's disappeared. Oh, I know. Would you like me to read it instead? <laughs> no, that's fine. I've got, I, I managed to quickly close it and open it up again. So, mm. here. so first story this week, and uh, we're going over to Amsterdam in Schiphol for this one. And uh, the story headline is, it's from the edition.cnn, it's Amsterdam Schiphol Airport proposes a ban uh, on private jets so high flyers hopping or hoping to hop into the netherlands on a private jet might be forced to rethink their travel plans as amsterdam schiphol airport is proposing a private jet ban uh, the notoriously busy airport has suggested a series of measures to reduce its air traffic and create a quieter and cleaner and better system according to a schiphol airport statement under new proposals the airport hopes it will come into effect no later than 2025 26 and private jets will no longer be welcome at schiphol and there will also be no aircraft landing between midnight and 5 a.m local time or taking off between midnight and 6 a.m local time also plans for a new runway have also been scrapped Skripal says it's targeting 
private jets because they cause a disproportionate amount of noise, nuisance and CO2 emissions per passenger and private jets produce up to 14 times more planet warming pollution than the commercial aircraft and 50 times more than trains according to European Clean Transport Organization Transport and Environment. Uh, when these small swanky aircraft depart from Schiphol, 30 to 50% of them are heading to vacation spots like Ibiza, Spain, Cannes in France or Innsbruck in Austria, according to Schiphol. The airport urge, uh, argues that there are plenty of aircraft flying from Amsterdam to these destinations and suggests that private passengers should go commercial instead. Sufficient scheduled services are available to the most popular destinations flown by private jets, says the Schiphol airport in a statement adding that small police and ambulance aircraft will be permitted to take off and land as they do currently under the new system and uh, the story does go on there but i can't see them doing this they're not going to stop private jets from coming to the skip hole it's like well it's, like, it's, it's worth a fortune the thing is that they're complaining about the fact of uh, noise from private jets well most of them are quite modern and they're not that noisy at all i don't think certainly when i've been um uh close by to raf northholt near where i live um they're not particularly noisy um i think the problem is is that um they well i, I would imagine that the the amount of all the scheduled services obviously need all the capacity of the airport that they've got um but you would have thought with you know six runways i think it's six at skipple uh there'll be plenty of options for for other uh, bits of traffic but um i think the the problem is that they are the, the rate of growth at skipple has been tremendous over the last what five years at least um and I, I think the, the problem is, as, as John Jester says in the chat room, Skipper doesn't seem to understand that they also bring in a disproportionately larger amount of mm. economic benefit. And that's very true. Um, I was just asking uh, Masher in the chat room, actually, whether they might l use the Lelystad airport for private jets, one we had the meet-up at. Oh, uh, yeah. not, not that far from, uh, from the main airport. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, it's going to be an ongoing thing, isn't it? But, you know, I think Amsterdam, on the one hand, you might say, Schiphol have done a lot for the economic benefits of the country, but also the way, the runway layouts that they've got. You know, they, they, I think they do try their very best to make it as, as quiet and as reasonable as they can. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, uh, a subject which we'll be talking about in 10 years' time and 20 years' time, won't it? Do you know what, Nev? I've, I've never flown from Schiphol. Or flown have into Skip? No, I haven't. Oh. I, it's it's oh. weird, isn't it? Because it's one of those airports that we talk about a lot on the show, and it's a, a really it's one of the busiest air, airports I'd imagine in, in Europe. I, I'd imagine, I think so, anyway. But I've never flown into or out of um, Schiphol. Mm. Well, when they, um, well, I, I was, I've been flying in and out of there a lot. But when they first opened the the newest runway, which is I think one eight. Right, I think I'm right in saying, which is the Polderbahn approach and runway. Um, about sort of a, a mile or so before we landed, I thought, oh, I'm glad we're landing soon because I would quite like to use the toilet. Um, and we landed and we taxied and we taxied. 25 minutes later, and I'm not joking, it was between 20 and 25 minutes, we arrived on the stand. 
I was breaking my neck by this point, as you can imagine, <laughs> being of a gentleman of a certain age. Um, so the taxiing time from that far runway to the main gates is substantial. And, I mean, the, these guys and girls are going at it, you know, what feels like, I don't know, 35 knots, perhaps, something like that. And it still takes them 20 minutes to get there. <laughs> So, yeah, quite a quite a, a slog. slog. A slog. Um, yeah. But of course, it does have quite a lot of options for um, when there's crosswinds and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I have been into Skipole a number of times where we've had to hold as well because of congestion of traffic. Mm. Uh, quite a big cargo hub, of course, as well. Lots of cargo operations in and out. Yeah, there. I know John. John has flown in there for quite a number of times. I think yeah. our, our yeah. uh, listener John Jester, isn't he? So, yes. Now, Nev, you've got the next story, and uh, normally this would be a, a Matt story because it's a Ryanair story, but um, as you'll be hopefully flying this uh, particular airline soon, uh, I've got <laughs> well, this is a good story for you. I, I, now I've seen this story, I may choose not to fly because it's clearly an issue. Uh, it's on lbc.co.uk, um, and this is the actual headline from the website. <laughs> this is a terrifying moment. Sparks flew from a Ryanair plane as it landed at Dublin Airport over the weekend. Wow. An emergency was declared at the airport after Ryanair flight FR5542 suffered a problem with its nose wheel. Dublin Airport Fire Service rushed to the airstrip where the plane landed with sparks flying off from the front. Passengers and cabin crew staff were able to disembark the flight, which was arriving from Liverpool in the usual fashion after the incident was stood down. Uh, a spokesman for the operator of Dublin Airport, the DAA, said on Sunday a full emergency was declared at Dublin Airport at Dublin Airport this afternoon following the arrival of Ryanair flight FR5542 from Video Liverpool Video Evil, but we've got the sparks. The going down the runway on rims uh, Air traffic flows into Dublin Airport were restricted during the incident. Some major delays, um, I would suspect, and, um, here. Yes. In and out well, of Dublin that's what International. Happened, basically. No one was injured during the landing, although one passenger You've also was treated got multiple, shot. as you would expect. Uh, arrives in Dublin Airport were initially suspended um, during the incident. The South Runway closed on for the their way to be stricken injuries, Boeing 737. I heard the bang. I actually thought it might have been uh, Damo driving past. Said, I turned round uh, and all I could see was Dublin experienced a minor issue with its nose gear upon landing. We do have passengers and fairly significant issues. Here at Dublin International this evening to the hangar for further inspections by Ryanair engineers. Um, well, yes, a, a slight non-story, perhaps. I don't know. Um, Actually, I'll pop the picture up, Nev, of the, uh, quite the gear. It was that Jet Jet Two A Three Twenty. There we go. No, sorry, the, the sorry, it was on the Jet Two, was it? It was the uh, Jet Blue. A320 that had its nose wheel cocked at uh, 90 degrees. It was Jet um, or Jet Blue, yeah. Sorry, Jet Blue. Yeah. Yes, and uh, well, that's uh, that's a quick trip to uh, quick ATS. Trip to... <laughs> yes, isn't it? I like the fact that it's it's ground down, Nev, to to where the uh, the the gear, you know, the nose gear lights are. Yes, there's quite a bit of gear beneath where those lights are, which seems mm. to have sort of, well, it's not there anymore. No, um, but um, of course the other thing I suppose you can think about is well, it's just as well that the it's the main gear that had braked rather than the nose gear because if the nose gear was braked as well that would be quite a even more of a mess I would imagine if they had a nose gear failure but um, 
Yeah. I mean, can, if you think about it, considering the number of sectors that Ryanair operate, they hardly ever have an incident of any sort, do they? Um, so, yeah. I'm glad that everybody was okay. Hmm. I think there was a over dramatization of the whole thing perhaps <laughs> no nev uh, you've got the next story as well because it's a ba story and yes, um, it's, it it's actually good i saw do you know I, the minute i saw this mm. i actually forwarded this on to um our very good friend Stuart o'neill because obviously he's uh, in the process of sort of going out and trying to um apply to various airlines and um yes. i think this might might benefit him well, that's interesting, isn't it? It's on airwaysmag.com. Uh, it says that British Airways is searching for direct entry Airbus A320 pilots for its London Heathrow base. The carrier has around 3,600 pilots in total, but they want to expand their staff, mostly due to the expanded summer schedule. According to the company's LinkedIn job offer, they already have 163 applications. So if you're interested in joining BA or BA Euroflyer, the requirements are as follows. You must hold a UK part FCL license uh, or you have an initiated license transfer with the CAA. You need at least 500 hours or 100 sectors on an aircraft type that satisfies the zero flight time training and have flown this type in the last 12 months to join BA Euroflyer. Uh, you need at least 500 hours or 100 sectors on the A320 or 1500 hours on an aircraft type that satisfies the uh, zero flight time uh, training and have flown this type in the last 12 months if you want to join the mainline British Airways. And you can apply directly on the web, BA's website as well. Uh, if you remember that BA's Euroflyer, uh, sorry, BA Euroflyer is the company's newest subsidiary founded in 2021. Uh, the airline started its operations in March 2022 and they operate seven uh, Airbus A320 200s and five A321 200s. And the average age of their fleet is nearly 19 years. Uh, and if you look at the job description, taken from the BA jobs page. It says this is a key time to be joining the British Airways family as we build a better BA. We take huge pride in our past, but we're looking to the future as an airline that loves embracing the best of modern Britain. Our country's creativity, diversity, style, wit and warmth are the same special qualities that make us who we are. If you're made of the same qualities as us, you could soon be part of the next chapter of our story. Together as one team, we're connecting Britain with the world and the world to Britain like no one else. Oh. Honestly, who writes this? <laughs> who does just, write this? Honestly, it's just... Anyway, I'm sure it's very effective, but I think uh, if you've got those qualifications, you, you know, you're not going to be too worried about that, that last paragraph, are you? <clears throat> I wonder how many... Um... I wonder how many potential EasyJet pilots might want to move to to BA. I wonder what the uh, the difference in pay is now between EasyJet and BA because obviously they both operate um, mm. the three twenties and and the three twenty ones and stuff on on you know the heavy European sectors. So whether I wonder what the difference is. We'll have to look that up. Difference in pay. It's an inter internet question, isn't it? Perhaps. Mm. I I would, I would, I would just assume that BA pay the most, but I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I think the thing is, well, with the summer schedule coming up, remember what happened last time with the summer schedule? They couldn't get people; they laid so many people off, uh, both pilots and cabin crew and other uh, areas as well. Um, they couldn't get them back in time for the summer schedule when it came to it. So, let's hope we can have a slightly more 
normal situation during the summer. John Jester in the chat room there says, BA Euroflyer sounds like a way to keep salaries down. You might be right. (laughs) (laughs) So moving to the next story, and it's good news for those of you who uh, fly from Gatwick regularly. I can't remember the last time I flew from Gatwick. Uh, This is uh, from Delta.com and uh, Delta uh, returns to Gatwick to fly to New York JFK. So there will be more USA to explore non-stop from London Gatwick as Delta Airlines starts a daily non-stop flight uh, between uh, London Gatwick and JFK. Uh, Delta's returning to Gatwick after 15 years absence and the return of the airline service coincides with its 45 year or 45th anniversary of serving the UK and US market. Delta started flying to the UK 45 years ago this month at Gatwick and so it's fitting that they are restarting the operations from Gatwick to the United States, said Nicholas Ferry, Delta's Vice President of Europe, Middle East, Africa and India. On board, customers will discover an elevated service hmm, and special touches to make their journey memorable. With daily flights, customers will enjoy convenient connections to destinations across North America via Delta's New York JFK hub, exciting cities including New Orleans, Nashville, Miami are waiting to be discovered while customers can connect to California's breathtaking beaches in LA and San Diego and world-class wine regions near San Francisco. Nev's already booking his ticket now. Outdoor enthusiasts enjoy one-stop services to Salt Lake City and Seattle from where uh, some of America's most famous national parks are within easy reach of biking and rafting. So Stuart Wingate, the CEO at Gatwick Airport, said that we are thrilled to welcome Delta Airlines back to Gatwick. It means that we will expand our furthermore our connectivity to the US. Uh, this trust from such a network carrier such as Delta underlines the connect or competitiveness and the operational capabilities at Gatwick. Delta is a huge name in the transatlantic market and being able to offer passengers across London and the Southeast the opportunity to travel with them between Gatwick and New York City is fantastic, he said, providing not only wider choice but further competition. It also demonstrates the strong pull of Gatwick as an airport for big name long haulers. So, and it's not only travellers flying from London Gatwick who will benefit non-stop flights to the United States. Delta's schedule is good news for the BA or for the British, sorry, British economy, offering more opportunities for American tourists to visit popular destinations such as London, Brighton, and Cambridge, just down the road from me. There's an upgraded travel experience waiting for the customers when flying from London. Recently refurbished 767-300 aircraft featuring Delta's cabin experiences to suit the customer's needs from the luxury of a fully lie flap seat in Delta One to Delta Comfort Plus and also main cabin and customers will also find an elevated experience on board the aircraft. Customers in every cabin enjoy seatback screens uh, featuring hours of complimentary premium entertainment via Delta Studio, in-seat power as well as available, plus high-speed Wi-Fi, uh, which you can purchase uh, and with free Wi-Fi apparently coming by the end of 2024, and uh, also free mobile messaging via iMessage. That must be one of those Apple things, Nev. WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. All flights between the UK and the US will be operated in cooperation with Delta's joint venture partners, Virgin Atlantic Air France and KLM. Honestly, Nev, I'm literally sitting here thinking, 
when was the last time I, I flew to or flew from Gatwick? And I, I just can't remember. Um, yes, I've done a couple of flights to the Algarve from Gatwick with the BA fellas. Uh, also talk, took an Orini ATR 42 to Guernsey um, a few years ago. Looking at the Delta fleet, though, um, those 767-300ERs, if that's what they are, uh, all of them are over 20... Well, the average age of them is 27 years, which is absolutely fine. So I do hope the interior has been refurbished nicely, like they're saying it has. Otherwise, it might be a bit... Well compared to some of the more modern machines, a bit a bit more of a trying experience. Having said that, I do like the 767. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. Mm. So. Yeah. I, I We were lucky to fly. Me and Gemma flew back from... Oh, I think it was from... When we flew back from... It was Vegas, yeah. When we flew back mm. from Vegas, it was with uh, on, on a Delta 7... Yeah, was it Vegas from the 76? No. I can't remember now. Where we flew back, it was from the States we flew back on Delta, and it was the 767-400. Yes, it would Which be. was the uh, the big the big version, the large version of the 76, but um, that was a quite a dated cabin, I remember that, uh, mm. back in the day. But, yeah, it'd be good to see these guys back at Gatwick, and obviously, um, I don't think Gatwick is ever going to be quite Heathrow, is it, Nev? But... No, although I must say the the commutability, if that's even a word, in, into London using the Gatwick Express into Victoria Station, I think it is, is pretty reasonable. So um, I think it depends on where in, in London you want to end up, uh, really, and if, mm. if train is a thing. Having said that, that with Gatwick, I uh, dropped one of my colleagues off to Gatwick uh, last, well, this week, and uh, I had forgotten that they, they charge £5. <laughs> For the privilege of doing so, and of course they then uh, you have to do it online after you've got home. What's that? Uh, that's that for two hours parking there? No, that was for uh, a minute and a half drop off. Oh, five pounds for a minute and a half. That's um, very generous, very uh, good value, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, Nev. Mm. Now we all know that uh, I like um, hanging various pieces of aircraft off my wall at home, and uh, I have. Well, I'm back in the studio next week. I have uh, now finally got my blade on the wall. It's looking oh, lovely. Good. But, uh, Nev, you've got a story next. And um, if these guys at FedEx want to donate this to me, you know, another one, then please, you know, let me know. Well, it's a great story, isn't it? It's on the alaskanewsource.com. And the headline says, Big Lake resident prepares to transport cargo plane via Glen Highway with plans to renovate into an Airbnb. Uh, Boeing 727 cargo jet will be making an overnight commute out to the uh, Matanuska Susinta, Susita borough sometime in the coming days. Sorry for my poor pronunciation there. Uh, the aircraft, which has been donated by FedEx to the University of Alaska's Aviation Technology Division, made headlines for its 2013 landing at Merrill Field in downtown Anchorage. Uh, John uh, Kotwicki, uh, the owner of uh, Fly 8MA Training in Big Lake, purchased the airline as part of a housing project for students who attend the training facility. The 727 will join a DC-6 and a DC-9 already parked at his property and has big plans installed for it. 
Uh, that is our flight school uh, that we are building there off of Hawk Lake and Big Lake, he says. Uh, the planes will serve as student housing um, for students, obviously, who are coming to do flight training with us from afar as well as an Airbnb. But before he can begin work transforming the aircraft into a livable space, he needs to truck it out to the valley. Uh, the flight instructor had been working with a small crew of people removing the wings, nose and tail of the aircraft in preparation for the big move. The hope is to have everything ready for transport on Wednesday evening, but that is tentative. Uh, according to Kotwicki, uh, the entire journey is expected to take around six hours, with speeds averaging around 10 to 15 miles per hour. The intent is to depart Anchorage Airfield at 10pm. He hopes to have the housing and Airbnb facilities up and running by next year, 2024. My goodness. Well, I wish him the best of luck, that's all I can say. <laughs> Quite a quite a project, isn't it? It is quite a project, and um, yeah, that is uh, it's one of those aircraft that um, I flew on many many years ago um, to Tunisia, actually, funnily enough, mm. on a seven two, and uh, I think it's, it's it done well for for Boeing. I think obviously it wasn't as popular as a seven three seven, but I think the seven two seven two seven had its place. I think in uh, you know in in the sort of grand scheme of aviation, really. Yeah, I, I never went on a. I've never been on a seven two seven ever. Uh, nor have I been on a Lockheed Tristar. Oh, no, so, I know. Oh. It's appalling. It's appalling, isn't it? Um, so yes, a great project. I wish him well with it. Be interesting to see uh, what that looks like next year. Yeah, I've, I quite often imagine if I had a big enough garden, Lev, whether I would um, <laughs> grow the set to. Um, <laughs> get uh, you know something like that in the back garden because you do people do see it. I've seen these these people mm. online. They've they've brought you know massive Wessex helicopters and they've converted them into sheds. And there's a guy in um, Shropshire. He's got an A320, a section, quite a large section of an A320 fuselage, um, all done out inside. And he has it as a man cave. It, it, honestly, it's stunning. You, you're saying it as if that isn't as if it's not a normal thing to do. It sounds it's it's a normal thing to do. If I had the space, I would do it. Trust me, I'd oh, definitely I know do you'd. it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, next story comes to us from APnews.com, and uh, FAA says leaky faucets. Faucets? It's one of those US sayings again, isn't it? Uh, a safety problem on Boeing 787s. Boeing has uh, several production problems with the 787 uh, over the years, as we all know. Uh, but you can, uh, you can add leaky lavatory faucets to the list. Or should we just say sinks? We're a UK podcast, honestly. Uh, federal regulators say it's a safety issue because the water can get into electronic equipment bays and damage critical parts. The uh, Federal Aviation Administration proposed Fridays to order, or for, on Friday, to order uh, repetitive inspections and, if leaks are found, uh, to replace the sink parts. And move comes after reports of water from lavatories getting under the cabin floor and into electronic equipment bays. Is it faucet? Is that how you pronounce that word, Nev? I never know. Faucet? It's a sink. It, it's a, yes. That's that's the word, isn't it? Yeah. Right? 
The FAA said uh, the links could damage critical equipment and lead to a loss of continued safe flight and landing. Uh, they said the agency said the one airline found wet carpet in the cockpit of an aircraft and when inspected its entire fleet of 787s found multiple aircraft with leaking sinks. The FAA did not identify the airline and Boeing advised airlines back in November about the issue which has been traced to an O-ring, it's always an O-ring seal, and whenever anything goes wrong it's an O-ring seal and described as a slow leak around 8 ounces of water per hour. However Boeing said the issue was limited to certain 787s while the FAA uh, order would cover all of them. Uh, the FAA described the extra inspections as a temporary measure while the manufacturer um, redesigns the sink modules. A Boeing spokesman said the redesign is complete and the company is working with its supplier and customers to determine when the aircraft can be retrofitted with the new parts. Japanese aircraft parts maker Jamco says on its website the its exclusive producer of the lavatories for all two aisle Boeing such as the 787s and the company did not immediately respond to the requests for comments. There will be a 45 day period for comments before the FAA proposal can become a final order and the inspections would apply to 140 aircraft in US fleets. Dreamliner deliveries have been halted for several stretches during the past two years because of FAA concerns over production flaws although deliveries recently resumed uh, since the stoppage. So Nev, leaky sinks. You can't, you can't have a leaky sink, can you? Well, yeah. I think, as Mike said, actually in in the chat room, um, it's the uh, the valve stems and all all the things associated with the sink. By the look, by the sounds of things. Um, the trouble is with all this. You know, th this gives them more production delays, doesn't it? I mean, they've already had so many delays with this aircraft, um, and. Now that the pandemic is kind of, well, hopefully at the back end of it now, um, this is the time to start uh, getting the aircraft, you know, back in the skies and back online. So, um, yeah, it's more of a problem, isn't it? I'm surprised, Nev. I watched a documentary series on um, on one of the, the digital freeview channels uh, not recently, and it was it was the A350. They were built. Mm. They were built. They were doing the interior fits on an A350, and I always remember the the, the guy there. And they had the floor of the aircraft because obviously there's no nothing inside the aircraft. They were doing the paneling and stuff on the outside, of, on the inside window areas, and then on the floor there was a guy laying a uh, like a, a membrane, like a very sort of thin membrane of uh, non-permeable plastic kind of thing to stop water getting through underneath where the toilet areas and the sitting, you know, that any, uh, you know wet areas are mm. so i'm surprised that water can kind of get into anything when it's got that seal underneath the flooring where the toilets and the you know the areas are that have the water yes of course water seems to get through anything doesn't it really mm. it doesn't matter what sort of seal you use or on almost anything whether it's a car or aircraft in some cases like this one uh, there's always a a way through for it isn't it and of course you don't know it's happening until it's it's too late and there's a large amount of water has been uh, ingested hmm. not, uh, not so good. nev next story for you um we're going over to china for this one yes it's on cbs news uh quite a long read this one but it's it's quite interesting so it's it worth, worth, uh, <laughs> worth listening to it i think um 
how Ch it's all about how China has developed its first large domestic airliner to take on Boeing and Airbus. As China moves close to mass production of its large passenger jet, details are emerging that reveal how a state-owned aircraft manufacturer was able to build a plane that looked remarkably similar to a Boeing 737. It really looks like a knockoff, said Matt Pottinger, former <laughs> de uh, Deputy National Security Advisor, during the Trump administration, describing the Chinese-built uh, C919. Together, the duopoly that is Airbus and Boeing have dominated the skies for decades, cornering the plane's uh, manufacturing market globally. Whilst these Western-based companies have maintained their hold on the industry, China, which has never been able to manufacture anything like a 737, is seeking to change that. And to do so, U.S. national security experts point to a combination of economic pressure and espionage. Critics argue that China's C919, the aircraft made by the state-owned company Comac, is not only a threat to the U.S. economy and an effort to elbow Boeing out of the huge market in China, but also a chance for the Chinese military to benefit from access to American-made technology. The C919 is so important to the Chinese Communist Party, it's, it's been uh, called a source of national pride. The development of a low-cost domestic airliner has been a, st a top strategic goal for over a decade, and it uh, could position China to eventually dominate one of the world's largest markets for jets. That possibility could end up costing the US economy up to $1.5 trillion over the next 20 years. Uh, John uh, Ostroa, uh, editor of The Air Current, a new, which is a news site that covers the aviation industry, told uh, CBS News that aerospace is part of the game of nations and that China has been working towards mastery of the field and eliminating competition. It ultimately represents self-reliance, modernity and the desire to engage with the world, he said. He also adds, over the next 20 years, you're talking about a market in China of about 8,000 aircraft. And if China wants a chunk of that, that fundamentally means fewer uh, aircraft for Boeing and Airbus to deliver. Uh, in 2015, China unveiled the C919 prototype to much fanfare, literally rolling out the red carpet. However, after lengthy de delays, the first completed C919 was finally delivered to China Eastern Airlines four months ago. C919 looks similar to its competition, the Airbus A320 and the Boeing 737. Uh, the familiar look is by design, according to current and former national mm. security officials like Pottinger. China has a lot of different uh, varieties of ways of relieving people of their intellectual property, he says. 60% 60, uh, 60 of the plane's components are as the result of deals with America's top aerospace companies like Collins Aerospace, GE Aviation and Honeywell. Entering into these joint ventures with China's industry is the steep price paid by American companies for admission into the nation's massive market. If you want to sell stuff to 1.3 billion people in China, you're going to have to give us the blueprints for your goods or you're going to have to go into a joint venture with us uh, <laughs> where you're going to, tr uh, going to train our engineers, is how Pottinger explained China's strategy. That is what we call forced technology transfer. Mm. Well, I have to say, Nev, right, looking at the picture which I've got in front of me on the screen mm. here, I'll pop up on the screen again. I don't know if you agree with me here, but I think front-end Dreamliner, back-end 320. Yes. Or front-end uh, Embryo, perhaps. Mm, yeah. Hmm. 
I, I, am I missing something here? I, I, I don't really fully see the problem here. Um, you know, if if there's been some sort of breach or, or espionage, then people, <laughs> you know, need to deal with that. But at the end of the day, you know, China is a, a manufacturing country in its own right and it, it will make the, the aircraft that it wants to make and also nev it's good to have competition you know we've got two main players in the in the aviation mm. world boeing and airbus you know we, we need we need competition and from other manufacturers you know look god remember back in the 70s and 80s nev you it, you know there was boeing and airbus but you had there was other manufacturers as well producing aircraft, such as Lockheed, mm. uh, McDonnell Douglas, obviously with the DC-10. There was all there was all manner of different, uh, there, you know, aircraft and stuff. So, I don't know. Yes, uh, interesting. interesting. But I, I'm not as exercised about it as some other people might be. I must say, I'm, I see less of a problem with that. So. Moving on to story eight in the mix this week and comes to us from dailymail.co.uk. This is quite an interesting video I watched on this for this one, Nev. Mm. Uh, this was uh, Boeing Aircraft uh, clips tree as it takes off and was filmed passing a mere feet above electrical wires with pilots slammed for attempting flight despite knowing the aircraft was overweight. And actually, we'd run a story on this in this same airline not a few years back. Now, yeah. I think it was a 727 at the time. Uh, a cargo aircraft that struck uh, the top of a tree at the end of a runway as it took off was 606 pounds, 274 kilograms, overweight, according to an investigation uh, to the incident. On February the 3rd, 2022, Aerosucra Boeing 737-200 with a crew of five took off from Puerto, Re uh, Puerto Carreno Airport in Colombia. A dangerous, at a dangerously low altitude, and as it became airborne, the landing gear retracted, clipped the top of a 46 feet high tree past the end of the runway. And footage from a doorbell cam installed in a house beyond the runway showed the aircraft passing low overhead, missing electrical cables by mere feet, causing significant movement in the vegetation below. I'm going to pop the picture up uh, on the screen for those of you watching in the world of YouTube. There we go. Uh, the crew returned to the airport around 20 minutes after the departure after the left-hand engine lost power. A subsequent inspection found the engine had ingested vegetation. I'm not surprised. In ingested someone's allotment, uh, you know, greenery. Uh, vegetation was discovered embedded in parts of the left wing as well. On April 10th this year, Columbia's Aeronautica Civil released their final report, and the report concludes the problem causes of the serious incidents were a late rotation caused by extreme conditions of the aircraft weight and density altitude that did not permit the aircraft to achieve a significant climb rate, the climb angle and altitude to clear the obstacles and the takeoff trajectory. Also take off with more aircraft weight than permitted by the performance calculations. This weight together with the density altitude caused the aircraft to cover a longer takeoff off roll distance 
consequently reducing the safety margin to avoid obstacles in the takeoff trajectory, causing the aircraft to collide with a natural obstacle immediately after the rotation. The contributing factors were overconfidence by the crew, assuming they would uh, lose sufficient weight during taxi for departure, rendering their gross weight within the performance calculations. Uh, low situational awareness by the crew and dispatch, with influence by the decision to continue the takeoff under limited performance conditions. And a weakness in the operational control and management by the operator dispatch by not adequately briefing the crew to take into account the atmospheric conditions ambient temperature above all would change the takeoff time and thus would affect the takeoff performance. A lack of risk management by the crew and operators and the operational safety to anticipate the conditions that would affect the aircraft's performance on a limited runway height at ambient temperatures. Uh, the investigation analysed that the aircraft weighed an estimated 109,836 pounds, including 16,866 pounds of fuel at the apron. According to the manual, the aircraft's maximum takeoff weight was 109,000 pounds, and the minimum fuel needed to Bogata was 15,970. The investigation found the weight of the three occupants of the aircraft was not included in the weight and balance computations. Hmm. Now, Nev, I'm going to pop the video up. I have a video here. I'll mm. pop this up on the screen Let's so you can look. watch this. Here we go. Yeah. There's some power lines there too, on or telegraph. Oh, that's quite close, isn't it? That is very. We'll, we'll pop that again. There we oh. go. Dear, dear, dear. <laughs> I mean, that is. Mm. And just one, say, just one last time, if you didn't see yes. how close that was. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. that is um, um, interesting. I remember if. talking to a captain once at Heathrow when we were discussing various things to do with aviation. He said, the thing is, he said, the flying bit's pretty straightforward. The decision-making that you make on the ground with regard to, you know, takeoff weight, ambient temperature, load, weight and balance. That's what it's all about. Obviously, you've got to land at the other end. But in terms of, you know, actually getting the thing safely airborne, that is where all the decisions are made in the crew briefing room. And obviously, you'll get a, a load sheet from the airline as well. And then it's the captain's uh, decision about whether he wants to take some more fuel, whether he's happy with the figures and all the rest of it. But clearly something was a bit off whack here. Um, and I noticed one, I'm just reading a bit later on in the story, it says, um, despite being overweight with both engines operating, the aircraft should have cleared the obstacle by 90 feet. Uh, <laughs> wow. And, even if an engine had failed, the aircraft should have cleared runway and at 35 feet AGL and the aircraft should have cleared the obstacle by 60 feet. But during the takeoff run, it was noticed that the captain pushed the oak forward twice without a change in attitude of the aircraft. A backward pressure became visible only at 138 knots, indicated airspeed. However, the aircraft became airborne only at 151 knots. Uh, immediately after the aircraft became airborne and established a positive rate of climb, the number engines, uh, number one engine's EPR was lost when the aircraft hit the tree. It is uh, it's, it's clear that upon applying back pressure, 
there was no positive climb response from the aircraft until additional speed had been gained. Uh, the first officer reported that he made the rotate call, but the captain did not immediately rotate, perhaps to get more speed for rotation. Uh, the CVR revealed complacency by the crew. None of the crew members questioned the takeoff weight or the ambient temperature or suggested to wait until the temperature had dropped again. Um, Density altitude is, is a thing, yeah. well, as Rick Bell says yeah. in the chat room. Yeah. I always remember one of the things that I learned very early on, because my main part of my training was in the summertime when I was learning to fly, was that in the summertime, even with a Cessna 150, which you know has, has, hasn't got the most powerful engine in the world, in a hot, summery, hot day, um, the climb... You know, performance of a 150 is pretty crap. Well, yeah, and I mean, this is it. You know, you know, aircraft performance is massively impacted by ambient conditions, weight, and you know, all, all the rest of it. But uh, this was a step too far. No, no two ways about it with this aircraft. It was just uh, horrific to see it, wasn't it? I mean, and that could have been a, a very different outcome as well. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. Captain Cruz has got a lot, a lot of love for the 737-200, Nev. Oh, not my favourite aircraft. Really? Well, there's gorgeous the... hush kits on. Oh, all the ones I flew never had hush kits on, I don't think. Those um, lovely JT-8Ds. Oh, oh. The Smoky Joes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I've flown on them so many times to Malta, because Air Malta had their, their fleet was originally 737-200s. Yeah. And um, flew on them a number of times, a number of times. Very Actually, good. the last one I flew on was uh, Britannia Airways, oh. uh, Luton to Belfast, Aldergrove. Oh. Um, so that's going back a while, isn't it? That is going uh, back a little while, yeah. But, um, yeah. No, it's it's not, it's all right on the inside, but on the outside, it's a bit, bit noisy, isn't it? <laughs> So now if you've got the last story, and uh, this is one I quickly chucked in here at the end because uh, I was watching the reports on this on, on um, Sky News this morning, and the pictures and the videos were, they were just just crazy. This is absolutely horrific, isn't it? <laughs> it's on the uh, sky.com website. Uh, it says Fort Lauderdale Airport closed as region sees more than two feet of rain. Uh, South Florida has been hit with more than uh, two feet of rain causing floods and severe disruption to the region uh, in, an, an, in an unprecedented amount of rainfall for the area, according to Miami meteorologist Sean Batty, who added that the total precipitation with, within the six hour period was a one in 1000 chance event uh, in a year. The rain was at its heaviest on Wednesday in Browood County, southeast Florida, and measured up to 25 inches on some gauges. <laughs> Fort Lauderdale issued a state of emergency and its Hollywood International Airport will remain closed until Friday morning, so Friday being today, due to the scale of debris and ex uh, excess water. Its city hall is also shut, flooded and without power. Roads were swamped. As one witness said, he saw abandoned cars floating like boats in the Fort Lauderdale streets. I saw, yeah. I, I didn't get a chance, I put this, literally put this story in last thing today, mm. and I didn't get a chance to drop the pictures in, which I had, uh, which we've got on our show notes here. But um, if you get a chance to see, the, there's, a, there's a video on YouTube of, um, I think there's a ground uh, tug and a ground ops vehicle 
they're literally plowing through it's just unreal now that you, you can't even see the you can't see the runway markings because there is literally you know just tons of water everywhere well yeah and uh, as rick bell says in the chat room it's florida how is this a thing they get hurricanes every year that dump that much rain very good point i've certainly been in uh, miami and uh, orlando uh, where the rain has just been horrific and with the lightning that goes with it as well in fact it was a Virgin 747-400 I flew on into uh, Orlando once and we, we were held off at the gate because of the lightning and all the rest of it. So I think we were actually just on the parked on the taxiway for about 45 minutes before we could even connect up to the gate. But that, what, that's what happens at about 4 o'clock every afternoon in, in most parts of, of the, uh, the county there, and most parts mm. of the state. So, yeah, horrific. But, you know, another newsworthy item, surely. Yeah, Mark Preecy says this is where the sinkholes come in handy. I suppose you could do yes. with a sinkhole. Oh. Pull the plug. Let the water yeah, drip very out. Good point. Very good point, yeah. yeah. So, commercial news, that is it for this week. And uh, next up on the show, we have got, uh, as always, our Caption This Just For Fun segment. It's safe to say that uh, when we started this, doing this, was it last year we started doing the Caption This it, uh, it it had interest in and everything every week nev we seem to get more and more interest in uh, the, the picture that pops up on the screen and um it took me a while i'm not going to lie it did take me a little while to trawl through the internet this week to find this picture and i found it i thought ah oh, we haven't had a helicopter related one on on uh, for the caption this i think either we haven't had or we haven't had one for a while so um nev if you want to explain uh, to our viewers uh, what's going on with uh, this picture just for those of you listening in the world of audio land well it's uh, a helicopter upside down um in a uh, city square somewhere by the looks of things um <laughs> and it uh, looks like it might be trying to clean the concrete or something like that with its rotor blades but uh, uh, we, were we had no shortage of uh, comment and comedy as always with these things. Shall I start off? Go um, on then. So Nick says the pilots discovered that there really was a solid ceiling. Uh, John says Flymo launch <laughs> Flymo is a name I've not heard for a long while Flymo yeah. launched their Royal Wessex Coronation model for those large royal gardens yes of course it's that time isn't it, it coming is, up yeah. Uh, Nicholas says the council came under scrutiny when they introduced new plans for removing <laughs> pigeons <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sturman, uh, obviously very, very with the details here, Sturman says, that, see, I told you, white, red, then blue would look better. Very yeah. good, very good. And John says, the British were confused as to why the Australian helicopter didn't work in England. <laughs> I wonder when those ones would come out. Uh, Neville, I don't know who he oh, is. Oh. Must be a gorgeous chap. Uh, he said, I told you, rotary ops were dangerous. Well, I still think they are, but anyway. That's... <laughs> um, Gordon says, Westland reveal their new grass copter to the public. Yeah, that'd nice. be a big seller. Uh, Clive says, uh, thought we may as well start in the way we mean to go on. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Robert says, Branson's new venture, VTOL. Very good, very good. Uh, Neil says, here we go. With the, Neil says, Australian heli taxi rank. <laughs> uh -huh. um, 
Bill says crowds begin to gather to watch Captain speaking start the We Sucks Whirly gig for the first time. <laughs> Uh, Chris has got uh, this is a good one from Chris uh, says and that's how you do crop circles yes very good Chris uh, Elliot says looks like Ryobi have uh, teamed up with the local air force cut your grass hedges and trees in one no clean up required <laughs> and uh, Bill says today's helicopter flight has been grounded blame the pilot it's oh. the asphalt <laughs> So there we go. We'll get us nip to the uh, chat room, Nev. See see if uh, oh, yes. any, let's have a look. Show in the chat room. Let's have a look. Um, what do we got there? Um, Richard Bell. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Heli McHelicopter Face. <laughs> I like that one, Rick. Heli McHelicopter Face. Very good. Was that one in the, in the UK? Never. It was Boaty McBoat Face. Yeah. Here. Um, We've got uh, Main Man Micah says, when you want your eggs really fluffy. Uh, Richard Adams says, the newly converted fixed-wing jockey that couldn't resist calling rotate. <laughs> I like uh, Mark Priestley uh, says, did an exit from it underwater safety, uh, underwater safety offshore, but that is different. Yeah. That's yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, Captain Crew says, Rotor manufacturer pulls excellent media stunt to prove sturdiness of their product. <laughs> well, it's safe to say it's been a popular one this week again, as usual. Yeah. Don't forget to keep your eyes on uh, YouTube, oh, on YouTube, on Facebook. Uh, mm. We're going to try and start to get these on Instagram as well, if we can, because I know some of you guys and girls follow us on uh, Instagram, so we're going to try and get them on Instagram as well each week as well. But uh, for those of you who follow us on Facebook, keep your eyes on there on a Wednesday. I try and get these on there on a Wednesday. Uh, well, it's a bit late this week. I think I was sitting watching an episode of uh, SEAL Team um, on uh, Now TV when I put this one on late on Wednesday evening but uh, yeah keep your eyes on Facebook on Wednesday for the next picture next week and leave your comments on there uh, for them to be read out on the show so what's coming up next Nev well uh, are we reading all the military this week uh, is Armando doing any reading or is it just us do you think no it's just us Nev but I, okay. I did I did uh, squash them down a little bit so so, so don't panic Expect uh, grammatical errors and mispronunciations then. And on Up that next, note, it's the military. Boss up, buggies 135 Angel 16. Okay, 30 buggies. Go on, Nev. You can take the first one. I know you want to. Thank you. Uh, it's on uh, defensenews.com. Uh, it says the US Air Force sent uh, F-35s to defend NATO, and here's what it learned. Uh, as Russia launched its offensive in Ukraine in February 2022, NATO's eastern flank became an ideal proving ground for the F-35 Lightning II. Officials with the 338th, sorry, 388th fighter wing told uh, Air Force Times during a recent visit. Members of the active duty uh, 388th um, uh, fighter wing 
and the Air Force's Reserve 419th Fighter Wing became the first American F-35A units to arrive in support of NATO amid the opening volleys of the Russian-Ukrainian War last year. Uh, they uh, deployed to Germany's uh, Spangdalhem uh, airbase from February to May 2022. Uh, their mission was to vacuum up as much electronic data as possible from the surface-to-air missiles and aircraft dotting Eastern Europe to build a map to guide NATO operations. And if the situation spilled into NATO countries, uh, to add some muscle. F-35s are designed to block and destroy air defences that could down Allied aircraft, paving the way for other aircraft to enter enemy territory. They also soak up electronic emissions from nearby radars to compile a picture of friendly and unfriendly forces in the area. Uh, Airman, Airman saw those threats in Ukraine and Kaliningrad and the Russian province wedged between Lithuania and Poland. Uh, the F-35s were able to locate and identify surface-to-air missile sites and pass that information to the rest of the coalition. Um, we had built this fighting team to go forward, not fully knowing how many locations uh, they would be at, they said. Uh, we probably need a little bit more personnel to be able to do distributed operations for the multiple locations. The pallet of spare parts was too bulky to easily move around the region, and that spurred uh, the wing to make its spares packages lighter and more modular. Uh, F-35 pilots told Air Force Times that they've learned to refuel their own jets and inspect engines in a pinch as well. Uh, agile operations have helped pilots think like crew chiefs to catch issues they may not have noticed before, said Lieutenant Colonel uh, Jesse Proctor, who's a pilot with the 4th fighter squadron. Leaders have also praised the F-35's connectivity with other NATO aircraft as a huge win for the Alliance. F-35 manufacturer Lockheed Martin had projected that NATO members will have stationed more than 400 of the jets across Europe by 2030. Uh, the aircraft is seen as the leader of any future flight in the region. Uh, no matter what your qualification is, wingman, flight lead or instructor, you'll have fourth generation instructor pilots and flight leads come up to you to ask you questions about threats, tactics, and how we're going to integrate together, said Captain Josh Sturinolo, who's a pilot also with the 4th Fighter Squadron. They all look to us for the answer. I'll tell you what, Nev, and I know you're not um, a, hu you know, a huge military fan, as, as we all know oh, on the well, show. I'm a big fan of it. I just don't understand it. I don't understand. But he's, uh, it, is, it, is, it is a stunning air aircraft, though, the F-35, to look oh, at. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we, we, are, we are lucky to see these quite a bit over the skies here, where we live here. But um, along with the typhoons, to be fair, we get the typhoons over quite a bit as well. Um, and so know. are they based over in uh, East Anglia, then? That those uh, those squadrons. I don't know where the F-35s are based. The Typhoons have obviously got at Coningsby. Yeah. Um, but the F-35s, I think that would be one to ask Jonathan Warner, I think, mm. on that uh, on that note. Yeah. Uh, moving on, though, to the next story about an aircraft. Oh, I love, honestly, the, these, um, these things are absolutely amazing. Uh, this is all about uh, the MiG-29s. I remember seeing one of these of Jonathan Warner at um, Riyadh a few years back, mm. done in, in that blue, that, that blue paint scheme, that camouflage blue they used to do. Yeah. So good. Uh, Bulgaria 
is uh, ready to transfer its MiG-29 fighters to the Ukraine, but only if it receives guarantees of receiving modern aircraft from Western partners. Oh, I suppose that's fair enough. Uh, Interfax Ukraine writes about this with a reference to the EFE agency. According to the agency, 16... MiG-29 fighters are in service with Bulgaria. At uh, the same time, only six aircraft are in working order. Let me get that right. Sixteen are in service, but only six are in working order with the Bulgarian Air Force. Ah. The situation has arisen due to the fact that the country, after joining the sanctions against Russia, can no longer receive technical assistance. Bulgaria is ready to consider the transfer of fighter jets to Ukraine, but only if it receives Western-made aircraft in return. It's noted that if the country sends fighter jets to the Ukraine just now, it will remain without combat aircraft at least until 2025, when its deliveries of previously purchased American F-16s will begin. As Ukrainian defence uh, earlier reported on March the 17th, the Prime Minister of Slovakia, Edward Huger announced that the country, uh, country's uh, authorities had uh, decided to hand over MiG-29 fighter jets to the Ukraine. And on April the 5th this year, it became known that Poland began the process of transferring its MiG-29s to the Ukraine. I'll tell you what, at this rate, Nev, um, they're going to have a hell of a, uh, a force of aircraft because, you know, giving, giving all these aircraft away. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It's good. So Nev, uh, by the this... way, F the F thirty five is based at RAF Lakenheath. Ah, Lakenheath. That's that's probably not that I, I knew that, but Hobby Time very kindly in the chat. Ah, well done, Hobby Time. Reminded well us done. of that. We should have known that, shouldn't we? Really. Which, to be fair, Lakenheath is not that far from me. It's not. You should have known that, really. Yeah, it's I on your doorstep. That. It's on my really. doorstep. Yeah, that's why it's so bloody noisy right out here on weekends. Yeah. Oh, definitely yeah. on weekends. Uh, Nev. Uh, mm. Next story for you, another aircraft that I've got some very fond memories of um, from seeing these up close as a child. When I see uh, people talking about the A-10, I expect them to talk about the, the road going from London to Cambridge, but this is not that kind of story. This is about the Fairchild Republic A-10 uh, Thunderbolt ground to uh, ground attack jets uh, from the US Air Force, and they are looking to retire uh, some of these. Um, so the service said that on the 10th of April it retired the first A-10C, commonly known as the Warthog, from the 74th Fighter Squadron at Moody Air Force Base after the airframe had logged 43 years of operational service. Uh, a the A-10 tail number 80-149 was flown to uh, US Air Force's aircraft boneyard at Davis uh, Monton uh, Air Force Base on the 5th of April, where we preserved as much as possible, whilst all prov also providing parts to other A-10s, the service said. Uh, this is the first of the of 21 A-10s that will be retired before October, the uh, Air Combat Command tells uh, Flight Global. The ACC says it's prioritising the least combat effective A-10 airframes for retirement. Uh, the retirements must be completed during the current fiscal year, 2023, as per the current Defence Authorisation Bill passed by Congress, which ends on the last day of September. Uh, this is bittersweet. It's an old aircraft, and there comes a time when each of them needs to be retired, says Staff Sergeant Austin Byrne, uh, Austin Bryan, sorry, uh, dedicated crew chief 
with the 74th Fighter Squadron. They are still combat capable, but after all the hours put in, their time comes, he says. When it touched down at the Boneyard, tail number 80-149 had recorded 14,125 flight hours over the course of its career. The US Air Force has gone to considerable lengths to keep the Cold War era A-10s flight-worthy in recent years. And the service contracted with Boeing in 2011 and 2019 to produce all new wing sets for its 283 aircraft uh, A-10 fleet. Uh, each set consists of an outer wing assembly, center wing assembly, control surfaces and fuselage integration kits. The upgraded wings are more durable, easier to maintain and are supposed to last for 10,000 hours of flight before needing a depot inspection, the US Air Force says. Whilst new A-10 production ended in 1984, the wing sets from the enhanced wing assembly replacement program are meant to extend uh, A-10 flying life into the 2030s. Well, despite that investment, US Air Force leaders have repeatedly sought to retire the A-10, which they say is too slow and unstealthy to survive against modern air defences. The service's top general argues that funds directed to maintain the US Air Force's nine A-10 squadrons would be better spent on modernising their fleet with more fifth-generation aircraft such as the Lockheed Martin F-35. However, that desire was repeatedly thwarted by US Congress, which required the continued operation of A-10 squadrons through the defence budget. Now, the aircraft gained cult status amongst American ground combat troops for its low-level gun runs, uh, whilst providing close air support during the lengthy wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. That in turn helped the famously rugged A-10 survive years of Washington budget politics. However, in late 2022, lawmakers finally approved uh, the US Air Force to retire 21 of the turbofan-powered attack jets starting in 2023. Designed to destroy tanks in close air support, the A-10 was built around a titanium bathtub cockpit to protect the pilot <laughs> and a General Dynamics 30mm GAU-8A Avenger cannon. It uses two GAA uh, aviation TF-34-100 engines mounted prominently above the tail section of the aircraft and can carry up to 7.2 tonnes of mixed ordnance, according to Boeing. Tests performed by the US Air Force in 2022 determined that the A-10's main cannon is still effective against the armour of modern main battle tanks some 50 years after the aircraft was designed. The Types pilots still believe it has a role to play on the modern battlefield though. Uh, the a A-10s remain the most effective close air tr uh, support platform in the world today, even after 45 years, says US Air Force Captain uh, Kevin Dominique, who f uh, flew tail number 80-149 to its retirement. As long as the Air Force allows the aircraft to fly and be properly maintained, this community is ready to provide that expertise anywhere in the world against any adversary. Uh, the 74th Fighter Squadron has uh, already received replacement airframe for its retired 80-149. That aircraft was transferred from the Indiana uh, Air National Guard, which currently operates A-10s, but is transitioning to the Lockheed Martin F-16 strike fighter. Well, that's 43 years of service for that airframe. Um, it's done well. Imagine the amount of maintenance it requires, though, to to get it through its journey. It, it must be, you know... I mean, that's what the Air Force do, isn't it? They, they are 
incredibly good at maintaining aircraft. They um, are a solid, solid uh, lump, though. Yeah, these aircraft they have done really, really well. Um, I don't think they'll outlast the B fifty two, but um, I think it'll be a few more years until they all get put out to pasture. But uh, loads of comments in the chat room actually, Nev, about uh, about the A ten. Uh, Micah says the A ten is old and does need to be retired, but the Air Force needs to have a replacement ready for it, which it does not. And he has done his best to ward off uh, searching for. Um, and Mike makes a good point actually there will always be a need for close air support aircraft that can fly low and slow and can accurately fire onto the ground and can linger longer meaning hang around in the area and um, yeah these were actually based Nev not far from me just down about half an hour drive away from here at RAF Bentwaters um, which is uh, is still well it's not an active um a base but uh, it's still all all the bits and pieces are still there the runway the buildings the blast hangers everything is still there mm. and these used to be based there back uh, back in the day had uh, many a, a fun family day at rf bentwaters many years ago and uh, all i can still remember standing right next to one of these nev these a10s on display yeah. because back back in the uh, late 80s there there wasn't such things as fences and you know, no. people telling you not to touch. <laughs> I, well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, that's this is the whole thing about uh, static air dip displays these days. The, some of them you can get up close and personal to, but, but others not. Um, and I think uh, things have changed. But, you know, it's still very inspirational for youngsters mm. to get see these things, isn't it? We, ne we never had that problem at, um, at the Dubai Air Show, did we, Nev? No. There we... was no fences. And... <laughs> We didn't have that issue. We just showed our press passes and off we went. And off we went, exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, time to give away a book. Now, as you know, uh, Nev has got rather a extensive stash of books that have been very kindly sent to us from the publishers, straight from the publishers. And uh, Nev's uh, been piling the books up in his home studio there, and we decided that we need to give away some books. So each week uh, we're going to give away a book pretty much until Nev runs out, which will probably take us up till Christmas, I expect, at this rate. Uh, but uh, we've got a book to give away this week. We, op we opened the uh, competition last week on the show. We've had, uh, I think we actually got all correct answers there. I don't think anyone got this wrong at all. Um, but I set the question, and uh, Nev, uh, what was the uh, book that uh, we're giving away this week? Well, here it is. It's the... Uh book's called Tornado Boys uh, by uh, Ian Hall. Fascinating read. I've had a bit of a read of it myself, actually, and uh, it's, it's really great stuff. Um, so the question last week was, uh, what unique blue livery was Concorde painted in back in 1996? Hmm, that's an what interesting it, one. Well, yes. What could it be? The answer was the Pepsi logo. This is so bizarre. And I think you've got a picture of it somewhere as well, haven't you? Um, I have, I think yeah. he says. Let me just see if I can whilst find Whilst it. you're looking for that, uh, there's some fun facts about this as well. Because Pepsi's Concorde would perform just 16 flights as part of a promotional tour across Europe and the Middle East, operating most flights at a non-supersonic speed of Mach 0.7. However, it did break the sound barrier for a short trip short sorry short time on most trips uh, these flights could be purchased by the public or were given away by pepsi however there were some paint issues and the air france were advised to remain 
at uh, Mac 2.02 for no more than 20 minutes at the most, but no restrictions were placed on them below Mac 1.70. Uh, this was not a concern for Air France as the aircraft was not due to operate any scheduled flight uh, or any other such long sectors. Uh, so what actually happened to it? Well, it was retired to the Air and Space Museum at Le Bourget in France on the 14th of June 2003, uh, joining 001 after flying 12,974 hours. Uh, and uh, in 1996, as we said, this aircraft carried a promotional paint scheme, uh, blue with its logo for Pepsi. Now, I can't find the picture, Nev. Sorry. <laughs> I must have forgot to load that into the system. But if you, if you Google it, it, it is an interesting look, to say the least, because if you've seen the BA's um, Concorde, obviously, with the BA logo, I think it was the, was it the Landor livery, Nev? Yes. On yeah. BA's Concorde. And you've seen, obviously, Air France's uh, livery. A Pepsi blue livery on a Concorde does look quite random. I'm not going to lie. But uh, yeah. Nev, we had some correct answers. And uh, yes. Nev has uh, dug out a very special hat to pull a name out of this one. Yeah, uh, this was from uh, the London Biggin Hill Airport. I can't remember whether we paid for this or not. No, we, we didn't, Nev. No, we didn't. We got, we given, we got given those. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the hat we're going to use. And the people that got the correct answers are... John Pickard, Stephen Taylor, Richard Adams, Bill Aronek, Arne Carlson, and Jonathan Warner. And here I have all of the answers, dun, dun, dun. which I have folded up carefully and put into the hat. So <laughs> uh, let's have a, a remark. This is bu budget cuts here. Oh, we just have the paper. Well, I know, yeah, it's, it's you know, the whole the whole... <laughs> thing is done on a shoestring isn't it so i'm not going to look and i'm going to have a good old rummage, rummage have a rummage nev have a I'm rummage quite random <laughs> uh right let's have a look here we go so the winner of the book this week is stephen taylor ah stephen taylor there he is there so, we go. Stephen, could you send us an email to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com with your address and I will post it as soon as you've done that. Well done, Stephen Taylor, for yeah. winning the book this week. Now, with that giveaway, we're going to give away another book. So uh, we've got another competition uh, ready for you for this week. And uh, Nev has uh, gone into the, the P2K vaults to get another book out. And, yeah. uh, Nev, what book are we giving away this week? Right, well, this book uh, is called Phantom Boys. Uh, this is by Richard Pike. Um, and I'll actually uh, read a bit of the synopsis uh, yes. of him, actually. Um, he became a flight cadet in 1961 at the RAF College in Cranwell where on graduation, graduation he was awarded the Dixon Trophy and Michael Hill Memorial Prize for flying. In the early stages of his 40-year flying career, he flew the Lightning before converting onto the F-4 Phantom. And on leaving the RF, he became a civilian helicopter pilot. Again, I've had a bit of a read of this. Absolutely fascinating stories in there. Beautifully researched and some lovely illustrations as well. So uh, it's a great one to, to win. So we're going to be setting another competition this week. 
We and certainly you'll are. Know what the question is, won't you? Yes, we do. So your question for this week, uh, Nev, uh, Nev's been trawling along the internet to find a suitable question uh, to go with this book for this week. So uh, for your chance. Uh, to win that book and get your answers in, as we say, by uh, email podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Send your answers in there. Nev, what's this week's question? The question is, which RAF base in Suffolk in the UK has a tornado as a gate guardian? Mm. Which RAF base in Suffolk in the UK has a tornado, tornado, tornado. tornado <laughs> as a gate guardian? Don't forget, no answers in the chat room, please. Otherwise, you'll be disqualified, booted out and botted out and everything. But uh, send your answers in to us, as I said, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That question just one last time. Which RAF base in Suffolk, in my home county here, in the UK, has a tornado as a gate guardian? There we go. It's as easy as that. I wouldn't know the answer to that, actually. You wouldn't know the answer? No. No. You wouldn't know the answer. There's, yeah. uh, there's nothing, it's all gone quiet in the chat room there. Yeah, well, it's all I'm gone glad quiet it in the chat room. <laughs> uh, so, a bit of info uh, for you for next week. Uh, we've got a guest joining us on the show next week. Now, as uh, most of you will know, uh, me, Matt, and Nev are off to the Cosford Air Show in, uh, when is it? Yeah, we're going in June, 11th of June this yeah. year. And, um, we got in contact with the team at Cosford and uh, squadron leader um, Colin Wilson has uh, very kindly uh, agreed to come on the show next week uh, to talk about uh, RF Cosford and also the air show as well and what goes into putting the air show together uh, for uh, for the uh, for the public each year. So he's going to be joining us next week. Fingers crossed, everything crossed, uh, that Zoom works properly and everything works. He'll be joining us next week on the show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we will be there. And just as a heads up as well, uh, in case you've missed it, uh, the air shows we'll be attending this year as uh, a team will be, as we said, uh, the 11th of June at the Cosford Air Show here in the UK. This will be our first outing there. We've not done the Cosford Air Show before, and we hope to see some of you there if you can make it. The tickets are available online for that, uh, for the Cosford Air Show. It's, it's actually run and put together by the Royal Air Force NEV, isn't it? So it's actually mm. done by, by the guys there. Now, although we're looking forward to this very much, uh, we have been warned of some uh, occasional traffic congestion uh, by uh, Al and a few other people. So I think it's going to be a case of uh, getting up early to avoid disappointment. It there. is. It is, Definitely. yeah. Definitely. And uh, another one we're going to be at, at this year as well in July, the 9th of July, will be the Wings and Wheels show. This is at the city of a uh, city of Norwich aviation museum uh, on the 9th of july uh, we're going to be returning to the home of our 100th show we were, we were there on the vulcan for our 100th show back in the day that was a long while ago uh, we hope to see some of you guys and girls there as well if you can make it the 9th of july at uh, the city of norwich aviation museum if you've not been there it's a really really good museum there's tons of stuff there and recently in the last few years they moved had to move site and um, moved the museum across from uh, the new road that was put in a few years ago. Uh, so it's a great museum to go and visit, to, uh, visit. And that is, as I said, on the 9th of July. 
Uh, Nev uh, and uh, and I are off to a certain air show in September, aren't we, Nev? The 14th. Yes, 14th of September is the Jersey International Air Display. We had a fantastic time there last year. Uh, this year, Carlos and I are going to be based at the Radisson Blue uh, Hotel Ooh. by the waterfront there, which is very nice indeed. Uh, Mrs. Nev and I went there the other week just to make sure it was, you know, up to standard, and it, and it certainly was. Um, and we uh, are planning on probably recording some evening event as well before that uh, this time it might be at government house we've got to have a have a word with the organizers to see if we can do that um because last time it was in a, a marquee wasn't it it was yeah um, uh, but on last year, of course, you remember, the, the weather was all over the place just before the event <laughs> itself. And somehow oh. we managed to get a clear bit of uh, blue sky between, what was it, one, uh, 12, 30, 1 o'clock and, and 4, 30, something like that. I mean, we were so fortunate with the weather because I thought it was just going to go horribly wrong. And, of course, they were working out how they were going to change the program and all the rest of it. But brilliant time absolutely fantastic so we're looking forward to going back there again so if anybody would like to join us or you happen to live uh, in the channel islands then please do great to see it'd be good to see yeah and also this year in uh, september on the 17th of september uh, this year we're going to be at the battle of britain memorial air display at duxford at cambridge uh, this is also going to be our our big sort of PTUK meetup as well. We're going to get together uh, with some of you guys and girls there at Duxford as well and have a bit of a day, day of it there. Uh, so don't forget, if you can join us on that date, that's the 17th of September, it's going to be our summer PTUK meetup there at the air show. And uh, we hopefully will see some of you there as well. We're going to try and meet up with uh, a friend of the show, Neil. Um, who's based there as well. If you remember Neil Cloughley, he was uh, one of our, our speakers at our 400th, wasn't he, Nev? Um, yeah. Back uh, last year. I really ought to um, give Neil a call, because <laughs> I've not done that oh, yet. <laughs> Nev will be in touch with him. Um, yes. <laughs> so hopefully we'll meet up with Neil as well, and uh, yeah. he might be able to have a little chat with us as, as well, to That'd see be nice, how it? things yeah. going on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll be there on the 17th of September. So hopefully, fingers crossed, the tickets are available for that as well. If you're a member of um, the Imperial War Museum as well, you can get those tickets quite cheap as well. And it's also a great day out as uh, for, well for all the family. But hopefully we'll get to see some of you guys there at the air show on the 17th of September. That would be absolutely fantastic. We're also planning as well hopefully at some point to uh, get together uh, for a little flying meetup at some point this year um, that's still sort of in the early planning stages but we're going to try and do something a bit like we did a few years back at seething uh, where we can all sort of get together and have a, a bite to eat and get, have uh, some of our listeners who are lucky enough to have their own aircraft fly in because uh, i know that was quite popular in there it was quite a good day yeah. great it was very good yeah so we're going to hopefully sort that out sometime in the summertime. That would be fantastic. Although I don't think I'll be taking Mrs. Nev with me this time because um, <laughs> uh, the, the air was a little bit lumpy, shall we say, going from Booker uh, Airfield near where I oh, live yeah. to Seething. Yeah. And um, uh, we had to get the train home because she said, I'm not getting on that bloody aircraft going home. Now, 
Um, I wouldn't have minded, but I thought it would be unreasonable for me to put her on the train and then for me to go on the planes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll leave her at home this time. Oh, dear. Do you know what, Nev? It is literally, I'm just looking at my calendar here, it's literally just over a month until I jump onto an American Airlines 777 and go and see Armando. Oh, my word. Yes. Yeah, that has crept up really quickly, that has. Gosh. We'll have to record lots of content whilst you're there. I certainly will. I'm sure I'm sure Armando will have uh, the usual GoPros and, and stuff all on, on guard. So, and will uh, you yeah. be uh, the first officer on his PC-12, do you think? I might have a go at that again. That that would be nice. I would certainly wouldn't say no if uh, I get the opportunity to to uh, to fly the PC12 again. That would uh, definitely be uh, on the list. I think Armando's um his his uh, cub is going to be fixed and ready to fly as well. So I hopefully I'll get a chance to to fly in uh, Armando's uh, family plane as well. Yes, that does look quite a quite a thing, doesn't it? I I'm not sure you would get me up in that somehow. Um but you know, perfectly airworthy machine, I'm sure, but just not for my, my particular taste, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, so that's just over uh, a month away. And it's going to be my first time flying with American Airlines as well, which I'm oh, quite looking it? forward oh. to. Gosh. Yeah, my first time. So I can see what, uh, see what those guys are like hmm. with their uh, with their service. Do a is bit it of a... Uh, 777, is it? That? Yeah, that'll be a 777-200, that will be, mm. from uh, Heathrow. Uh, but not T5, though, Nev, unfortunately. It'll be, I think it's T3 mm. for that one. But um, hoping to uh, to sample the delights of American Airlines. But uh, if uh, anyone's got any advice for me, you know, feel free to send us an email. And on the note of uh, emails and uh, social medias, Nev, uh, before we start to wrap things up, but in case anyone doesn't know, where can people find us? Yes, uh, if you look on the socials, uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, uh, just search for Plain Talking UK. Uh, you can WhatsApp the show, send us pictures uh, or pithy comments to plus 44 757 2249166 that's plus 44 uh, you can email us at the show which is com, and we also use that email address for the competitions as well so uh, don't put anything in the chat room if you've got answers send us an email to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com uh, the website of course uh, available uh, lots of interesting things on there uh, plaintalkinguk.com and you can subscri subscribe to our YouTube channel of course when we go live and just search youtube.com and search for Plain Talking UK you can also become a Patreon as well as many of you have done and we're very grateful for your contributions uh, there's a link on our website to that as well so that helps us with media hosting fees and, and new cables and, and, and things like that because it's not not a free service for us but we you know we, we like putting it on for you guys and girls so we're happy to do it but there are some some running costs associated with it so just have a look for that on our website yeah, and on the note of the website, there's also the shop on there where you can uh, grab yourself uh, various items. As I said earlier on, we have we did take a delivery, special delivery today of uh, some lovely fresh T-shirts uh, from the printers. And I know I've got, I'm just trying to, to grab his name here because uh, I know he's uh, a listener of the show. Uh, Henry, who's a listener of the show, uh, Henry over in... 
Texas, I think it is, in the US. Uh, Henry's uh, got uh, ordered himself a T-shirt. Your T-shirt uh, was uh, dropped off to me today, Henry. Uh, so if you're listening, your T-shirt will be sent off tomorrow, uh, which will be, what's the date tomorrow? That'll be the 15th. Tomorrow. 15th, 15th. So hopefully, Henry, uh, by the end of next week, your T-shirts should all being well, because it's normally around about six or seven days, uh, should be with you through your front door of your house, Henry. So your T-shirt will be uh, on its uh, on its way to you tomorrow. Uh, don't forget, if you want to grab a T-shirt, if you've not already got a PTUK T-shirt, the links are, as Nev said, on our website, allthews.playingtalkinguk.com. Just click on shop. And you can also, don't forget, grab one of those glorious grey mugs, which Nev has yet to... Um, you yet yeah. to get one of those, Nev. I've not got one, no. <laughs> we've already had a, by the way, we've already had an answer to the question oh. into our email address as well. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. So that is about all we've got time for this week. Have a quick uh, quick catch up with uh, before we finish, Nev. But don't forget, uh, next week we have got uh, Colin, uh, squadron leader Colin um wilson coming on the show from RF cosford to talk about the air show and uh, about the base and uh, what he does there and the job he does there so he'll be on the show all being well next friday as a special guest and i have it on good authority that uh, armando is going to be back on the show next week yay oh, nice yeah. <laughs> excellent <laughs> So uh, Armando will be back next week and uh, joining us with that special guest. But uh, what are you up to next week, Mr B? Oh, uh, lots more driving. We've got a new office opened in Brighton on the south coast. So I've been driving up and down uh, the M23 quite a lot this week. And I should be doing the same next week. Um, but of course, uh, being on the south coast, the wind and rain this week was phenomenal. Uh, I got absolutely soaked, uh, I think it was Wednesday night of this week. Um, but uh, I'm not complaining too much because it's a, it's a nice town. But uh, no, I've been um, back there uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week and more driving around the country after that. And then looking forward to the 27th when I'm back on a plane again. It seems, seems a long time. <laughs> it does seem a long time, actually, Nev, since, um, since you were, or since you were last on a plane. Definitely. Yeah. The, you went through a stage at one point where literally every show you'd done probably minimum of three flights in a week. Well, yeah, it was it was that period in February, wasn't it? Or back into January through to the or end of February where I was uh, Edinburgh, Stockholm, Barcelona, Dallas, Portland, and then back home. So that was a quite a stretch i was very tired at the end of it i have to say so although i'm missing the flying i'm quite glad for the rest at the moment yes well i'll she'll be um i don't know what i'm doing next week actually nev i've no idea i should be in and around norfolk and suffolk here in the countryside for a bit but the following week i'm actually off up to um you i'm going up to somewhere where you seem to spend a lot of time nev up in uh up in edinburgh Ah, the lovely capital of Scotland. Yes, I shall be up there um, the week after next uh, for for nearly a whole week, actually. But I shall be twiddling my fingers in in a hotel. um, But you're not taking the A320, are you? No, I'm... (laughs) 
I'm taking the considerably slower um, route there, i.e. my truck. So oh. I shall be driving at 56 miles oh. per hour from rural East Anglia all the way up to Scotland, which will take me probably the best part of my 10 hours of legal driving that I am able to do driving a lorry here in the UK. So, And how many breaks have you got to take during that time? Uh, that'll be a minimum of two 45-minute breaks. Gosh. So it's going to be a long day yeah. travelling up there and back, but uh, it is doable, just. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I shall be there. So I'm, I'm trying to think of things, what I can do while I'm up that way, because um, I had a little Google. I couldn't really find a huge amount of aviation-related kind of museums in and around Edinburgh. So um, if anyone's uh, listening who lives in and around Scotland or Edinburgh and has some ideas of where I can disappear to uh, for a few days uh, during the day, uh, when I'm not required to do the job that I do, um, that would be handy, because, uh, as I said, I couldn't really find anything... Uh, well, there's the uh, Museum of Flight at East Fortune, of course, but that's probably um, a little bit far out of the city. I and looked at that. There's, there's, there's a bus, perhaps, that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, do you know what I did look, Nev? I looked at hiring a car. Mm. And when I saw the price for hiring a car for one day, I could probably buy a car while I'm there, <laughs> insure it, tax it, and come out with change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, car rental is is gone really mm. expensive, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, these it days. Has. Just, yeah. Yes. I don't do it very often, but when I do, it's uh, I always find it uh, more expensive than you'd, you'd ever think. Um, we're doing a bit of car rental for the Jersey trip, actually. I've managed to do that with the uh, the points and what have you. So that's that's helped a bit. But yeah, it's it's not cheap, is it? Mm. These days. Uh, Mark says, "What truck? Um, it's uh, uh, it's an Iveco Curtain Cider Rigid." Um, which I drive, which is well appointed inside, I will say. Um, it does have a fridge, which has my chilled food in and drink. So I don't, I don't slum it. Trust me. And I shall be catching up on many, many podcasts on my way up there, aviation mm. podcasts. And uh, yeah, so well, that is about it. We're going to start to wrap the show up. Uh, episode 452 of the show. Don't forget to tune in next Friday uh, to join, hopefully, fingers crossed, all the team back here again. And uh, I think uh, I shall leave, while, whilst I'm pressing everything here, all these buttons, Nev, I'll leave you to uh, tie off the uh, show. Yes, well, thank you very much for everybody for uh, listening and watching us tonight. Really appreciate it. I should be doing a quick email to Stephen Taylor to congratulate him on his win, and we'll get a, a dress from him as well. I uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. Uh, I'm going to have a, a quieter one this weekend. It was a bit hectic last weekend. I hope everybody has a great time. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Bye for now. Bye. <laughs>